Welcome and thank you for joining us at Christian International Ministries. Our vision is to help you hear God's voice to change your world. For more information about this and other resources, please visit www.christianinternational.com. Uh, but whatever language you pray in, you're supposed to pray in both your language and the language of the Holy Spirit. But understand that there's a weightiness to those prayers that are filling up the bowls. James chapter 5 verse 8 says this, says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me give that to you in the Amplified because I think it says it so, so wonderfully. It says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. It is dynamic in its working. Come on. It makes tremendous power available. If you feel powerless, you need to start praying in tongues. You need to start stirring yourself up. One of the famous uh, generals in World War II, because we're on a military theme this morning, one of the famous generals from America in World War II over in the European uh, theater of war, his name was George Patton. And he made this statement. He said, those who pray do more for this world than those who fight. This is a general, okay? Those who pray, and let me just say, he has a very colorful language, so I had to kind of sift through his quotes so that I could find one that I could say in church, okay? He said this, those who pray do more for this world than those who fight. And if things go from bad to worse, it is because there are more battles than there are prayers. What is he saying? He's saying, if we learn to fight first in the spirit, we'll have to fight less in the natural. But if all we're doing is fighting in the natural, we'll have to fight more in the spirit. If things go from bad to worse, it is because there are more battles than there are prayers. Many of us find ourselves in a cycle where we pray last when we've tried everything else. There's a scripture that says, early will I seek thee. Early means before you need to seek him. I know some people think it means at 4 o'clock in the morning. I choose to not believe that. <laughs> Here's my theory on that, okay? The, it, it says, early will I seek thee, at the be like at the beginning of the day. Well, the Jewish day starts at 6 o'clock in the evening, okay? You got that? Okay. So, all right, no. Early will I seek thee. In other words, before I need to seek thee, before I'm in such a crisis that I have to seek you, I'm going to seek you before that. Early will I seek thee. Prayer changes things. Prayer turns things around. Prayer ch brings that tipping point that begins to bring a release. And God is looking for people that will dare to believe him. Let me read you a, a little passage that comes out of a, a magazine called Christ for the Nations. It was the college that my husband and I met at and graduated from. And it's the story of a place called Mizoram. Is there anybody here that's ever heard of Mizoram? It's also not known as Nagaland. Anybody here know of Nagaland? You're still looking at me like you have no idea what I'm saying. Okay, let me tell you this. It's, it's, a, it, it's a little write-up about what God has done in Mizoram. Where is Mizoram? Most people wouldn't have the foggiest notion. It is wedged between a Muslim state, Bangladesh, a Buddhist country, Myanmar, and a Hindu state, Assam. But Mizoram is different. It is a Christian nation. Of its 700,000 population, 500,000 Mizos are born again, and of the 200,000 non-Mesos, 60% have converted to Christ or were Christians when they arrived. 
and of the rest, the Lord adds to those who are being saved daily to the church, as in Acts 2.47. Today, Miseron can boast there are no homeless, no starvation, no beggars, and nearly 100% literacy. How and when did all this happen in a nation that in only three generations has been transformed from a nation of headhunters and cannibals to a nation of soul winners? It started in January 1894 when two um, Welsh missionaries arrived in Mizoram, the first step in that nation becoming one of the most Christian communities on earth. Today, over 80% of the entire population attend church at least once a week. Every Mizo church has prayer daily, some starting at 5 a.m. Well, they lost me there. Okay. Um, those who are unable to care for themselves are assigned to 10 families who adopt them. This includes those who need physical or material assistance. The 10 families work together to make sure the needy are properly fed, clothed, and housed. The first missionaries taught that every church should be self-supporting, and it's working. Mizoram, which only has one-tenth of one percent of India's population, has sent out over 1,000 full-time missionaries, many to India and other neighboring nations. Their divorce rate is a fraction of one percent. Teen pregnancy and prostitution are unheard of. AIDS is a disease that happens elsewhere. The measles love to sing and worship and, and love to see transformation. If God could transform Mizoram in answer to fervent prayers, surely he can do the same for Australia, for New Zealand, for America. Come on. If God can transform a nation of headhunters and cannibals, maybe there's hope for us. But we've got to see apathy broken. We've got to get the spirit of courage. We've got to get that contending spirit that says, I'm going to engage in this battle. I'm, not, I'm going to love not my life unto the death. Many people say, yes, Lord, I'll love not my life unto the death. But then he asks them to pray. And after 15 minutes, they're like, I'm dying. Come on, God wants to wake us up. Amen. The second weapon that God wants to help us to understand is the weapon of praise. How many here love to praise? Amen. Love to praise and worship. Listen to this translation of Psalms 8 2. It says, For this purpose, this is the NIV translation, for this purpose, God ordained praise. Now, other translations say, say God ordained strength, but it's actually a word that means praise. For this purpose, God ordained praise. I could think of a lot of reasons that God would say for this purpose, you know, so that you could feel good, get your hearts aligned, so that the Lord can be blessed. You know, why, why do we praise the Lord? You know, why do we do that? But this is why it says, for this purpose, I ordain praise, to silence your foe and to still your avenger. Every time we worship the Lord, God breaks the teeth of our enemy. God breaks the teeth of our accuser. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 31 says, The voice of the Lord shatters the enemy. With his scepter, he strikes them down. Every stroke the Lord lays on the back of the enemy with his punishing rod will be to the music of tambourines and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. So this morning, while we were singing these sweet worship songs, God was releasing warring angels to come down and start fighting on our behalf. For this purpose, I ordain praise. To break the teeth of your enemy, to silence the foe, to still the avenger. About 15 years ago, we were um, 
invited to go on a youth um, retreat with the youth in our church. And uh, it was actually all the way up in, it was like a, a giant youth conference, and we had about 100 youth that were going on this retreat. And they were taking these two buses up, and I do not know what possessed us that we got on those buses. I sh- we should have flown, but I don't know if it was a demon or exactly what happened, but something happened, huh? Yeah, up in Detroit, Michigan. It took us two days of 12-hour days on buses to get there with youth. I feel like I need deliverance again just thinking about it, okay? Two days up, two days back, and we had like three days there. It was, it was a phenomenal trip, actually. But on one of, the, one of the breaks that we had, we pulled into this, this place, uh, like a gas station truck stop area, and we, pull, we pulled in, and the kids went, and they got snacks, and they got some things to eat, and, and uh, you know, they had a certain time frame, and then they had to be back on the bus. Well, it was my job to go gather up some of the kids, and there was a video arcade room at this tr- truck stop. And when I walked into the video arcade room, there was a game, a a pinball machine. Do you all know what pinball machines are? A pinball machine that was there, a big video game. And the name of the video game was Revolution. And right underneath the word Revolution were written these words in bold red letters. The music is the weapon. You see, the devil has known that music is a weapon of revolution for a long time. As a matter of fact, we had the, the word revolution actually means to bring a radical and pervasive change in society and the social structure. How many understand that back in the 1960s, there was a cultural revolution that came and it was driven by music? And they knew what they were doing. Come on, they knew what they were doing. As a matter of fact, the Beatles wrote a song called Revolution. You say you want a revolution. You want to change the world. Yes. That's exactly what they did. And they brought us into a uh, free sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, anarchy, uh, anti-disestablishmentarianism, a society where we rejected authority. Hey, I think we're back there today. Everything we're dealing with today is what we dealt with back in the 1960s. Come on. It's a revolution, and the music is the weapon. So when we come in and we start doing praise and worship, it's not just designed for you to feel good. We should feel good, but the purpose of it isn't just that you feel good. The purpose of it is to create a spiritual atmosphere that God can begin to move in. Amen? For this purpose, I ordain praise to silence your foe and to still your avenger. These musicians are not just creating a sound that sounds good. They, they sound great. But I'm telling you what they're doing is they're creating a sound of spiritual revolution. Building a sound of spiritual momentum so that God can move. Amen? Worship, praise is a weapon. Number three, the weapon of proclamations and decrees. I love to talk about this. I'll only spend just a couple of minutes. But Job 22, 28 says this. Job 22, 28, for those of you that are taking notes. You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. You shall decree a thing. Who does it say is going to make the decree? The prophets are going to decree a thing. No. God is going to decree something. No. You. Say, I will decree. You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established for you 
so light will shine on your way. How many of you feel like you need some light to shine in some areas of darkness? Then I'm telling you one of the keys is make a decree. Make a decree. If you're living, if you're, if you're working in a very dark spiritual atmosphere, get in there before everybody else does and start making some decrees. It opens up the spiritual atmosphere. There's a contending that goes on that begins to release the presence of God so that God's presence can come down and change and bring light into darkness. You shall make decrees and it will be established and then light will shine on your way. Now, I don't know if I've shared this. I know I, I taught a little bit on this last year, but let me just, I, I, I have a whole list of stories, so forgive me if I, if I have told this already. But back in 2003... Um, when our country had engaged in war in Iraq. Okay, now, politically, we're just going to set aside whatever your belief was about that, okay, whether we should or should not have done that, okay? Well, we were there, okay? And after nine months of being in Iraq, we still had not found Saddam Hussein. Do you all remember this? Our troops were there nine months, and we still did not know where he was. So it was December the 9th, 2003, and our friends uh, Chuck Pierce and Dutch Sheets were actually in Texas. And they were in San Antonio, Texas, and they were doing these meetings. And uh, Dutch was preaching a message, and in the middle uh, of the message, Chuck interrupted his message and got up and began to prophesy. And he said, the Lord said to the people of the state of Texas that I have given you an anointing to turn the battle at the gate. See, that's the anointing God's putting on you guys, to turn the battle at the gate, okay, to raise that standard, to turn the battle at the gate. But Chuck got up and he said, the Lord says I've put an anointing on the people of this place to turn the battle at the gate. And he said, I declare, the Lord says, I declare that the strong man of Babylon which you know Baghdad was Babylon, okay? The strong man of Babylon who has been in hiding shall be hid no longer for this week in the next seven days I will bring him to exposure. Now it's one thing to say I'm going to expose him. It's another thing to say within the next seven days I'm going to expose him. How many know that's like a whole different level of, takes a whole different level of faith to say that? And the truth behind Chuck and Dutch, because they're friends of ours, is that Dutch was on the platform, you know, preaching, and Chuck got up and did this. And after Chuck said the words, I'll do this in the next seven days, he turned around to Dutch and he said, <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you know, oh, my gosh, what did I just say? We've been looking for him for nine months. But God says, I'm going to cause an exposure to come. So Dutch then took that prophetic word. Here's what we've got to learn to do. Take what God has prophesied and make decrees out of what God has said. Okay? So when you get prophetic ministry as part of this conference, you need to go home and write some decrees out of that prophetic ministry. What is God saying? So that you can decree the word of the Lord. Let the word of the Lord be in your mouth. Okay? So Dutch got up and he began to declare, right now we decree this word of the Lord. We decree this anointing upon the people that are here right now. We decree that the spirit of witchcraft that has kept Saddam Hussein in hiding, we decree right now that spirit of witchcraft is being broken, and we decree over the next week he will be discovered. See, he took it from just a prophetic word and made it a decree. You see what happened? Then what happened next is that a general 
from Fort Hood, which was the military base there, he got up next and he said, you know, I represent the military forces. And he said, right now, we've got the 1st Infantry Division from Fort Hood, Texas, is actually serving in Iraq right now. He said, so let's pray and decree that God will anoint them to carry out this prophetic word. How many think that things like that are possible? So they prayed that God would use the 1st Infantry Division from that state, from that place, to go and carry out this decree. And then they released a giant shout. This general led the people in this massive shout, and the victory was released. Three days later, it was a soldier from the 1st Infantry Division from Fort Hood, Texas, that found Saddam Hussein founding it, hiding out in a spider hole. Come on, what a coincidence. Come on, I want you to have faith to understand that this stuff is real. They made some decrees in Texas and a world away in Iraq, God shifted something. God put an anointing on people that weren't anointed to do it before and suddenly everything changed. There was a momentum that began to be released because decrees were released. Come on, it's a weapon that shifts things. It's a weapon that brings a momentum. Prophecy. When you start to prophesy, when you start releasing the voice of God, hearing what God says and saying what God says, you may not do it the way we do it, but some of you need to go home and prophesy to your finances. You need to go home and prophesy outside your schools, your kids' schools. Sit in the parking lot. Don't look like a stalker or anything. Sit in the parking lot and start prophesying the move of God into your schools. Come on, start prophesying into your workplace. Start prophesying, releasing the word of the Lord. The Lord says to you, and just start prophesying what God wants to speak into those places of darkness. The scripture says, the voice of the Lord shatters the enemy. Isaiah 30, 31, I just gave that to you. The voice of the Lord shatters the enemy. Jeremiah something. It's in there. Let me give it to you. Jeremiah, no, it's not in there. Jeremiah something says, <laughs> I'll give it to you tonight, okay? It says, is not my word like, is not my voice like a fire and my word like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? Come on. It's a weapon. When we start to, when we start to release the voice of God out of us, it's a weapon that breaks the rock into pieces. Matter of fact, we were just ministering uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were up at Mercy Ministries. I don't know when that was. Uh, maybe a couple months ago. June, yeah, June. And we prophesied over these young women that were that were there, very, very broken young women. And we prophesied to this one, this one young lady. And as we prophesied to her, we didn't even say anything about this. But while we prophesied to her, God opened up her deaf ear. God didn't say, hey, I'm opening up your deaf ear. I didn't know she was deaf. Jeremiah 23, 29, that's right. Jeremiah 23, 29. Okay. Um, it was in my file. I just lost the file. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but as we prophesied, see, the voice of the Lord shatters the enemy. We didn't even say, yay, the Lord says I'm opening up your deaf ear. He just did it. The voice of the Lord shatters the enemy. 
So when you start prophesying, when you start releasing the word of the Lord, when you start declaring what God is saying to your children, to your business, to your finances, to the principalities and the powers, to the spiritual atmosphere, when you start doing that, it causes a shift because prophecy is a weapon. It is a weapon of spiritual war. Amen? God has not left us here helpless. If you're not getting results, engage in the battle. Some of you will really like this one. The weapon of prosperity. I want to try that one. Just listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 14. It says, there was a little city with a few men in it. And a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city, yet no one remembered that same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. See, I believe that God wants to begin to cause wealth and increase to come to the believers. Okay, everybody relax. I'm not taking an offering right now, okay? Let's talk about money for just a second, all right? I believe that God is saying it is really time for us to move into increase, okay? Because, because when you're prospered, it brings influence. Amen? It brings influence. It gives you the capacity. There's, you know, there's a little worldly saying that says money answers all things. How many have heard that saying? It does. It's also the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. But some people forget that it says the love of money. It doesn't say money. It says the love of money. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, the Lord says, I have given you power to get wealth. That word get, I know it's an interesting word for me to choose to talk to you about. That word get is the word asa in the Hebrew, asa. I've given you power to create, to asa wealth. Asa is the word when it says God created them male and female. God saw. He created them. God has given you a creative anointing to get wealth. Come on, a lot of us are waiting for wealth transfer, and we should be praying for wealth creation. Come on, God wants to give us ideas. God wants to give us an ability to begin to see the things that we're moving into begin to come into a whole new level of prosperity. And here's what the enemy does, is that he'll come in and we might see a little breakthrough, but we don't see the full breakthrough, and so we get discouraged and we forget or we stop pressing in to contend over the blessings that God wants to give to us. Don't give up on your blessing. Don't give up on your increase. Don't give up on the fact that God said you've sown seed, now begin to reap it. You've, you've invested in a kingdom, now begin to see it come forth. Come on, you, you've, you've sown your life into that business. Don't just walk away because everything is shaken. Believe God that God can bring a turnaround to you. Believe God that God can bring a strategy to you. Um, I think that, uh, I've probably shared this before, but uh, um, we have a businesswoman in our church that uh, runs an advertising firm. And she, uh, she, was, she, she had uh, every major account in our area came through her office. I mean, she was extremely blessed. She had uh, uh, all the major tourist areas and everything. But when the economy began to, to crumble in our area back in 2007, 2008, all the major companies uh, basically had to start withdrawing their advertising dollars because 
it was, it was an economic crisis, and, and they just didn't have the money to spend. And so she went from being extremely, extremely blessed to within a couple of years of going into this, this very difficult economy in our tourist area, um, pretty soon she was in a position where she was having to look at whether or not to close the doors on her business. And she said, you know, Lord, I've committed my business to you, and so this is your business, but I can hardly keep the lights on. I, can, I can't pay my staff. I need something to shift. What do you want me to do? And the Lord spoke to her. How many think that sometimes when we ask God, what do you want me to do, we ought to just be quiet for a minute and let him actually tell us what he wants us to do? And so she stopped for just a minute, and the Lord said, here's, your, here's the strategy. I want you to start a magazine, and I want you to name the magazine The. Have I told this story here before? No. Half you say yes, half you say no, okay? No, which half of you were here when I told it, okay? So the Lord said, start a magazine and name it The. What? Lord, maybe you didn't exactly understand what I said, because here's the problem. I don't have any money. Okay, <laughs> and you're telling me to do something new. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, I want you to start a magazine, and I want you to name it V. So she said, fine, okay. I'll learn about, I don't know anything about doing a magazine, publishing a magazine, but I'll learn. But she said, but I don't understand why I would name it V. I mean, V is a good letter, okay. Victory, virtuous, valiant, a lot of good V words. But it, so she went to the dictionary, and she started just paging through, and she found this little word, V-I-E, which is pronounced V, and in French is the word for life. You see, God prophesied life into her dying business. And God gave her a strategy to move forward. God always has a strategy for advancement. God always has a strategy for advancement. So if you feel like the enemy's been strangleholding your finances, I'm going to encourage you that during this next three days, while we're here, while we're gathered together over this next this weekend, I want you to believe that regardless of what anybody is saying up here, that God can speak to you and give you the strategy or the key that you need that will begin to open up and unlock wealth to you. How many believe that God is a God of strategy? God is a God that has the answers. God is a God that knows what you're facing and that knows how to get you beyond what you're facing. To break through, to go through and beyond the enemy's frontline defense, to get you on the other side and to get you broken through. How many believe that that's a word for you? Come on. That's a word for you. Amen? So God will do that. It's a weapon of war. Let me, let me just say this, is that, is that I really believe that in dealing with our cities, sometimes what we have to do is we have to pray in regard to things that are operating in our community that shouldn't be operating in our community. And we need to perhaps pray differently than how we've prayed before. We had a tarot card reader, a psychic, that had a business right in our area. And every time we would drive by, we'd put our hand out and we would break the curse of the occult. You know, and we would pray that, that God would close that business down. Well, Dr. Sharon Stone, who's one of our representatives in England, was stopped at the stoplight in front of that business one day, and she put her hand out, and she started saying, you know, Lord, I bind the spirit of the occult that comes out of that, that business. And the Lord said, wait, stop. Don't pray that way. Instead, pray that the money that's keeping her in business dries up. 
And so she said, okay. So she started praying that way. And about two seconds later, the front door went flying open. This woman with this turban and this long blue robe came out onto the front porch. And she, she looked up at the sky and she said, no! And Sharon said, hmm, I think we're on to something here. Come on, how many believe that we might need to start thinking a little outside the box? And if we're really going to contend and not just say whatever will be, will be. If we're going to really contend, God will give us a strategy to know how to contend. Amen? Number six, the weapon of peace. Well, that doesn't sound very weapony. Listen to this. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Let me tell you, sometimes what we've got to contend for is we've got to contend to get into a place of peace. We've got to contend for our peace. We've got to fight for our peace. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Amen? The last weapon I'm going to talk about, and we're going to do some more of this tonight with the divine reversal. Let me just say, that business, V, the, the magazine, it's now a nationwide magazine. It has actually been featured on the billboard in Times Square as one of the new upcoming magazines in the nation. It was just supposed to be a little local community magazine. It's gone coast to coast because God gave a strategy that brought a divine reversal. Instead of, instead of shutting down, it opened up, and it began to bring increase, not just wealth, but influence to that couple. Amen? God always has a strategy. The last weapon I'm going to talk about is the weapon of power. And I want just to stand to our feet as I do this. My, my goal this morning really is to, to inspire you to understand that when we're talking about momentum, I told you a lot of stories of breakthrough to help you to understand this actually works. Come on. It actually works for you to make a decree and see things shift. It actually works for you to pray and for you to contend in prayer and to see things tip, to th see things shift. It actually works to prophesy the word of the Lord into situations. We believe this. We've committed our life to these things because we believe it's, it's the weapons that Jesus gave for us to contend with here in this earth. And if you're a part of the crowd that says, you know, well, Jesus paid it all on the cross. Jesus won every victory on the cross. Let me just say this, is that Psalms 149 says that um, the, God says, let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand to execute the judgments that have been written. This privilege, this honor, have all his saints. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus wrote judgments against your enemy, against the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Okay? But let me say, he won, he won the battle. He won the war for us. But we are those that have been placed on the earth to enforce the victories. We have been those that have been placed on the earth to say, you know what? Jesus won this battle. We are taking the victory that Jesus has already won. Jesus already purchased your healing. If you need healing in your body, Jesus already purchased it. But we may have to contend for it. We may have to fight for it. 
Jesus already purchased it, but guess what? We may have to fight for what he's purchased. If you, this was a courtroom and, 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 and the, the, the kingdom of heaven can, can be seen as a battlefield and it can be seen as a courtroom. If this was a courtroom and the judge made a decree, guilty as charged, does the, does the person that committed the crime, the criminal, does he just automatically say, oh, gee, okay, take me away? No, 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 no. There is somebody called, at least in America, I don't know what you call him here, a bailiff? What do you call him here? A court officer? The bailiff, court officer? He then goes and takes that person into custody and enforces the judgment, enforces the sentence that has been written. Right? We are God's bailiff here on the earth. The judgments have been written. They were written when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus paid for those judgments by his blood. Jesus purchased these things by his blood. But now we are the bailiff to take him into custody and say you're going to serve your sentence according to the judgments that have been written. And so I want us to lift up our hands here in this place today. And I'm just going to pray that God is going to release that spirit of the warrior, that breaker release, that anointing. Honey, would you mind coming and praying? Because I just really believe that God wants to release that breaker anointing, that breaker dimension, that anointing of courage like the light horseman that God had that broke through the, crowd, the, 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 the line of impossibility and brought a breakthrough that changed the world. Father, we thank you for that now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, if we're called to be a standard bearer for the Lord, lift up your hand and just stretch forth just a little higher. Father, we're asking that this nation would be used in such a way that there would be a clarion call and a trumpet sound that would begin to be heard not only in this land but in the surrounding lands and in the nations of the earth. That there would be an awakening spirit that would begin to cause us to come alive to the high calling and the destiny that you have placed upon us both personally and corporately. Lord, we're asking that there would be even a rising up in the midst of this land, that the standard would be raised higher than ever before, and that there would be a sound. You would utter your voice before your army, and that your army would arise in Australia to begin to demonstrate your kingdom power, your kingdom authority, the release of the decree of the king that would begin to shift what takes place in our land, in our businesses, in our families. Father, we are the key. We're the ones that have been given the name above all names. And so we lift up your name and we arise in faith and we begin to say, it's time to fight. It's time to arise. It's time to go out against the enemy and know that the Lord has already given us the victory, already decreed that we are the people of breakthrough and that in his name. We are overcomers in this life. And so we arise for you today. We arise in our generation. We arise as a standard that can be clearly seen that we arise and say we will be a city upon a hill that will not be hid but will shine brighter and brighter and brighter to the perfect day. Father, here we are, the people of God. If we're the Marines, if we're the ones that are called to hit the beach, then we say, so let it be, but we're taking this territory, we're taking this land for our king, hallelujah, yes, hallelujah. Let's just, across this place, if you could just link arms with that person that's next to you, 
Father, even as we did this last night, Father, as a prophetic act and a prophetic demonstration, Lord, we link arms with one another. And, Father, in doing this, we signify that we are linking arms with heaven, Father God. Lord, we are linking arms with these four horsemen of awakening, Father God, that you are going to bring an awakening, you are going to bring a contending, you are going to bring a victory, Father God. Lord, where you raise up, Father, this nation, Father, to be that standard bearer in the midst of the earth, a standard bearer of righteousness, a standard bearer of blessing, a standard bearer of revival. Lord, we, we reach into the heavens and we declare, Father God, even the prophecies of Smith Wigglesworth that declared that one of the greatest revivals of the world would take place from this region, Father. Lord, we declare it now, Father. I thank you, God, that whatever challenges we may be facing individually, Lord, there is a breaker anointing upon us today, Father God. And Lord, that you're going to give us fresh revelation and fresh courage, Father. You are our strength. You are our personal bravery, and you are our invincible army to help us to advance in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we're hooked together like this, we're coming in agreement. You said that you sought for a man that would make up the hedge, one that would stand in the gap. And so, Lord, we're crying out as we're linked up that there will be no space or place for the enemy to operate. He will not advance against the church. He will not advance in this nation or in this land that as the church unifies, as we link up and hook up and sync up to you the way that we're called, that we're going to say that there's a wall that you decreed over Jerusalem that there would be a wall of fire around about her and there would be glory in the midst. Let that be true of this place and of this nation, oh God, that you would raise up the prophetic voices. You would raise up the heart of intercessors. You would raise up those that are willing to be on their knees when they war and they would pray, Father, that there would be a sound that would begin to invade the atmosphere of praise that would begin to shift it from every spirit of doubt, every spirit of perversion, every spirit that would be of robbery and would begin to release the shout of the king and we will not be cursed. Lord, let there be a strength as we hook up for you that we would make up the hedge the way that you've called us to and we'd fill in every gap. Lord, that there would be a prophetic connecting more than ever before. Father, even across streams, even across lands, even across this land, oh God, that what has disconnected will be reconnected rightly as your church arises for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.